Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says this, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden and to tend it and keep it. Now, what, one thing that you will probably recognize is I go back to Genesis a lot. The reason is because I want us to see how God started it. That when, at the beginning, and if we're not careful, listen, God wants our praise. God wants adoration. God wants connection. God wants us to read our Bible. God wants us to pray. But you understand that all of that outward praise experience is the result of how we live daily and what we produce. It does not say, and the Lord God put Adam and Eve in the garden to sing, shout to the Lord every day. And God put Adam and Eve in the garden so that they would find the beautiful rock and begin to pray all day. It does not say in the garden that, and, and, and God created Adam and Eve so that they could, does that, what it says is, and God took man, put him in the garden to tend it and keep it, to produce and to take what God had given them and take it and impact that one area and then ultimately influence the world. And that's why our churches, our Christian culture has uh, begun to decrease because we think the only thing that God wants us to do is sing a song. And so we have great worship, but terrible character. Come on, somebody. And so we we now have worship schools, and and I'm not against any of that. I want great worship, and I believe that that worship produces an atmosphere, come on, where the presence of God can come in and begin to change your life. I'm not against worship, just worship was not the goal. It was not why we were created. Worship is a byproduct of an obedient life does it make sense when my kids do what i say there begins to be this this dialogue of 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 worship not in an unhealthy way but i realize that they want to honor me and i am drawn to them does that make sense god put us in the garden to do something to do something what excites you I'm just thinking about what excites you. I, I know that there are some hog fans in here, and we're getting ready for a little March Madness. Come on, somebody. You know, I know that you're fervently praying. Your prayers have gone up that we can make it past the second round. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. What excites you? Is it a day off? Could it be eating at your favorite restaurant? What, what excites It may be completing a project, getting your work done. Come on, the change in the weather. We went, my, a couple of uh, uh, my kids went to the park yesterday, and you could not find a parking spot. People were like everywhere. You know, I, finally the weather, the bad weather has gone. And, and man, I don't know, maybe it excites you. You're just like all of a sudden happy. The sun's out. <laughs> Life is good. You know, one of the things that excites us is we're kind of into this bike riding now. And so everybody has a bike. 
And so we, we, just, we just go off. We just start riding bikes. And I think one of the reasons the kids are excited is because we find our way at Subway. You know what I'm saying? And so kind of, I'm, I'm in that working with a benefit at the end, a reward system. Like I did work, so I need bread. You know, and so, uh, uh, but, but, so we do that. We, we, we go around our little area, and then we kind of end up at Subway. And so when I say, hey, kids, y'all want to ride a bike? They're, they're always like, yeah, are we going to Subway? I mean, it was, it's like kind of now synonymous with bike riding. Um, but, but I think one of the things that should excite us as a believer is to hear well done by Jesus. The opportunity to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And today, as we start this series called Just Be, my sermon title today is Just Be Faithful. Just be faithful. If we're going to talk about transformation, if we just are faithful, you will see a byproduct of fruit in your life. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Go ahead and take a second and, and turn there. We'll have it on the screen. Let me, let me just say this. I say this quite a bit, but um, the, the screen is there for people who just decided to come to church. And we're always going to be open. This is not an insider club. Listen, I, I once was lost. Now I'm found. And we're, going, we're not going to be talking about Scripture and people don't know what we're talking about. So we have it on the screen. But this, because it's on the screen, does not mean forget your Bible. Bring your Bible. Bring your phone. Bring your highlighter. Because here's the thing. I'm hoping that we, 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 you're able to see something in here and take it back home with you. Okay, we've got to be people who, this, the word is one of the things that governs our life. And so I just want to challenge you in, in that. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like this. Okay, what, 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 what did that just say? Well, it's like this. It's like this and like that. No, it's like, for the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man traveling from a far country who called his own servant, and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talent, to another two, and to another one, to each according to their own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground, dug in the ground, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered, uh, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then also he who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here is what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy 
uh, servant. You knew I had not reaped, for I had not sown, and gathered where I had not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money in the, with the bankers, and at that coming I would have received back from my own interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the one that has ten. For uh, to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who has abundance but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that may not be on your refrigerator. <laughs> that may not be your go-to verse. But here's what I want you to see is you may have heard many, many sermons uh, on this, and, and, and rightly so. This is a great passage. There's a lot of content, and truthfully, we could be in this passage for five or six weeks. But here's ultimately what I want you to see. There were two that changed, and there was one that didn't. And if the Spirit of God that God has given you doesn't cause transformation, then I think that is an issue that we need to talk about. God has a plan for your life. This parable, as I read it, gets me stirred up, church. I'm not going to lie. It, it stirs me up. Because Jesus is saying that there is a reward for the faithful. Like, based on how you grew up, the principal was either your friend or your enemy. Come on. To some people, the principal, hi, hi. To some people, the principal, you know what I'm saying? If he's walking down this hall, I'm walking down that hall. And it was all based on background, how you grew up, the effort you wanted to put in, what you heard from your parents. The truth is, as we begin to look at all three of these servants, we can see that there was a difference in thinking. It was a difference in thinking. Here's the truth. Is that God is returning and there is a reward for you, not just in heaven, but also here on earth. And I would submit to you today that if you commit to show faithfulness, you will see increase in your life. Faithfulness is defined as steadfast affection, loyalty, Check this out. Like the original. Faithfulness is like the original. Faithfulness is promises kept. Faithfulness is a characteristic of God's nature. And today I want to give you five concepts that will help you just be faithful. The first is this. We have to understand that each of us have give, been given something to manage. You have been given something to manage. All three. There was no one in this story that did not get something. And like this verse, this verse obviously primarily talks about money. You know, Jesus didn't have a problem talking about money. He obviously didn't know church. Jesus didn't have a problem talking about money, and he used the example of investment and taking your investment as a wise steward. And he wanted us to see that, you know what? We have been given something, and 
We are expected to double what he gives us. We're expected to do that. Jesus was talking to his disciples about the fact that there is expectations and investment required in this kingdom. And here's the deal. If we as a church talk about the love of Christ without the expectations, then we will overcommit and underdeliver, and that's why people aren't growing. There are expectations. Well, I thought he loved me. He loved me. He loved me. That's what Cratter sung. He loves me. He does. This has nothing to do with love, and this has nothing to do with forgiveness. This is the third arm and the third component, and the fact is God does love you, and that's been done. He did forgive you. Jesus was on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, but this is not what we're talking about right now. You understand what I'm saying? There are times when my children, I talk about candy, but right now I'm talking about food, and I ain't talking about candy. Well, are you saying you don't like candy anymore? No, I'm saying that right now we're going to eat this, and then we're going to get candy. There's a difference. But if we're not careful as Christians, we'll always preach candy. Preach candy. Preach candy. And then here's the deal. We'll have a lot of cavities. But we'll all have fun. Does this make sense? There's, there's other components to God's nature. And ultimately, God will love you and bring you in. But it wants to develop and see you thrive in your life. Listen, if we're not careful, we will not manage what has been entrusted to us. And here's the deal. Jesus was setting up the notion that you guys are about to be apostles. And the valuable thing that I'm about to give you is the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. If you don't value him in your life, nothing will be produced in you. Listen, check this out. There is no entitlement in the kingdom. There's no entitlement in the kingdom. Entitlement is a man's idea. It's not a God idea. God is into sonship, not entitlement. Entitlement says you can be and do whatever you want and have whatever I have, and there is no responsibility required from you because you just get it because you're in the family. Sonship says everything in my kingdom is yours, but you need to turn on that, off that light when you leave. Don't bring the car back empty. You're a son. You can have everything that I have. All in my kingdom is yours. But let me tell you something. Change the oil. Clean out your trash. Don't leave wrappers in the... T Does that mean... And, and so here's the thing. Is if we're not careful, we'll believe that God is into entitlement. And he's not. You've been blessed. And there is an expectation on your life to produce... And so let's just take inventory over what you've been given. Health, finances, family, employment, your church, salvation, education, intellect, revelation. Is all of that just to stay dormant and to clean you up and make you just a little bit better? Or is there a bigger plan for that in your life? See, here's what you need to see is that we're all servants. And you have a choice on what type of servant you're going to be. As for me, come on, I want five minutes. I love this. Billy Graham, one of his daughters, as I was watching the funeral, said, here's what I want to do five minutes before I go meet the king. I want to have no regrets. 
This week, as we watched Billy Graham's funeral, I couldn't help but to think about his life and his legacy. And just so that you know, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to turn there, but, but the Bible teaches us in these two verses, 6 through 8, that when we are, we are, we are absent from the body, we are present. And so just like that, the war of this world will be over and you will be standing in the presence of God. Can you imagine as Billy Graham is looking to the eyes of Jesus and Jesus says, well done. Well done. See, here's the deal. If there is no passion in your faith, the Holy Spirit did not come to make you goofy. And many of us in churches have seen goofy. But there should be a passion. See, my son... And I'm learning this. I, 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 I'm learning a lot of things now that I'm a parent. And so you hear a lot of stories about my family because I'm always learning something that I didn't grow up in. And so it's all fresh for me. But when I look at my son and he does something and I approve of that, there's something that begins to happen in his heart. And he may like think, and it's so awkward for him, he doesn't know how to handle it. But I know it touched his heart. What? There is a work component to the gospel. We don't work for salvation and we don't work for God's love. But when we do work and we hear, well done, come on. That's exciting. That's exciting. Listen, well done is not a phrase of flattery. And we got a lot of flattery in church. It's not a trivial phrase. This idea is not, well, Jesus just says it to everybody. No, he doesn't, baby. He doesn't say it to everyone. It doesn't mean that you won't be saved. But here's the deal. When you read, you will read that there are houses in heaven and there are different places. And, and here's what I want you to know is that if you're not careful, you will think, well done. It's just like you made it through your life. That's not it. That's not it. We don't all get a trophy. Come on, somebody. And teach our children. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, every day that you get up, you're not competing against me. You're not competing against other people that you think are more spiritual. You're running your race, and you're overcoming your areas, and you're submitting to, to God in the areas of your weakness, but you're running every day. Every day. The second thing is this. You have the potential for more. I love that in this verse, that you have the potential for more. There is so much potential in this room. Potential to produce must be managed. 
Graveyards are full of men and women who had great potential. Potential is nothing more than seed. For you to grow that seed, it will take intentionality. Sitting here today are creative people, builders, managers, teachers, overcomers, leaders. And God knows your potential. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. What could happen if Netflix wasn't your first go-to? Come on, somebody. What could happen if we got around people who called out our purpose rather than our compromise? What dream is laying dormant that God put in you? What, what have you sold yourself short on that you've thought it's just too hard to produce and you've dug a hole? What have you buried? Has anybody... Obviously, there have been times in my life when I've buried stuff. Thinking that that dream was for someone else or maybe I wasn't qualified enough or maybe I wasn't good enough or smart enough. And the truth is this. God has given you something because he believes that you can double it. Be very, very careful that you don't bury the very thing that God wanted, that God was providing the way for you to make an impact and influence him. Don't bury that. The third thing is this. Don't look negatively on what you've been given. Come on. Let's talk a little bit. While we've all been created according to God's nature, check this out, we are not all equal. I know that won't preach, but we're not. I'm looking in this room, and I know there are people who are more intelligent than I am. That doesn't make me feel insecure. I know who I am. But the truth of the matter is, there are people that you can read a book, and you remember everything. You never studied in school. We hate you. I mean, I mean just, we, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's not, 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 I didn't mean that. Ooh, I, got, I need some prayer. But... Uh, We are not all equal. We are all created out of the same mold. Come on, somebody. We all are a three-part being. We all have the potential to produce, but we are not all equal. And so here's the deal. When we begin to preach this concept, it's amazing how insecure believers are. Like we measure my one against your five, and I'm only stupid. I don't want to do anything. But here's the thing, if you're not careful, you'll be comparing your talent to someone else's, but never developing your own. On my best day, there are some areas that I can't measure up. On my best day, there are some, some people here that, I mean, you, you just, you're a builder. You know how to do this. You, you think in investments. You, you, your, your mind is on a totally different level than my mind is. And guess what? I'm not insecure about that. It's amazing that the last servant, could it have been that he devalued what God gave him? What has God given you? Have you devalued that? Because it's not like so-and-so, and and it's not like them, and I'm the third, and I wasn't picked first on the team. Whatever it is, does that make sense? My whole life I've wanted to sing. 
start to sing. You don't know, I've got the moves. I don't know why that was funny. Y'all don't know, I came up through Michael Jackson, baby. I got some moves, y'all don't even know. No, no, I'm creative. Okay, I know how to work the crowd. But when I start singing, people leave. I start singing at my house and, and there's no one around and my kids are embarrassed. Here's what I'm saying is that I don't know what to tell you about that. But, 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 but if I devalue what I have, come on somebody, then I will never develop what God has done. And so there is this idea that we want God to be fair. God is not fair. God is just. And there's a difference. See, God will never judge me based on the person who has five. He'll judge me on my one. He is just. He will deal with me according to what I know, what I've been given, and what revelation is working in my life. What have you been given? What have you been given? When we look negative, negatively at what we've been given, we begin to think wrong. And here's the deal. Well, I didn't grow up in a family like so-and-so. Well, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Well, you know, I didn't grow up with all that, you know, my, my parents didn't even care what I did in school. They were just like, didn't even know when I came home. Well, I never got the opportunities that so-and-so had. Here's the deal. When we devalue what we've been given, and you look negatively on what God has done and what He's given you, then you start making excuses and you work harder at your excuses than you do at your production. When the master came back, the third servant started making the excuses. This leads me to my fourth point. Is that fear and doubt will always stop production. The Bible says that, that, that someone who is double-minded... It's tossed by the winds and the waves and the, does that make sense? Should I go to a life group or not life group? I don't know. I don't say that. Well, you won't go. But if you say I'm going and go, then you went. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I know it's pretty, pretty simplistic. You know what I'm saying? But the truth of the matter is when fear and doubt begin to, I find it interesting that the last servant was unproductive because of his thoughts. Because of his thoughts. What did he think about the master? He thought the master was hard. The other two didn't think the master was hard. When they saw the master coming, <laughs> it was almost a giddiness. Like, look what we've done. Look, look, look. One, two, three, four, five, and six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know what I'm saying? Like, woo! But the third one saw the master coming. I see this a lot in our culture because people demand flattery. And when you begin to hold people accountable, come on somebody, they want to push away from you and they misconstrue your heart. The master was not coming to catch the third servant. 
the master was coming to reward everybody. You hear what I'm saying? The master wasn't coming to catch someone and I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm hoping that they don't. Ooh, I'm feeling really. Oh. Wasn't the point. The point was I'm coming to reward you. And here's the truth. This servant did not understand the master's heart. And he did not want accountability. He did not want accountability because here's the deal. Accountability begins to say, what did you do? And here's the deal. I, I, I can't wait till our church continues to grow. But if we ever get to the place where people can just be invisible and come in and go and no one has that, that accountability. Here's the deal. Accountability causes you to grow. And when you can come and just leave and there's no accountability, then here's the deal. You think you're one of the three servants when actually you've moved into a place where you're unproductive. Does this make sense? The road to unfaithfulness starts in your mind. I hear this all the time as a pastor. I hear this all the time. Well, God will never forgive me. I'm so embarrassed, I, I need to leave the church because I'm just so embarrassed of what happened. It all starts in the thoughts. What I want to tell you is that fear and doubt will stop production and God has good things for you. The fifth thing is this. Reward, rewards will be given to the faithful. Come on. Anybody like rewards? Anybody like to win? Anybody like a trophy? Anybody like, you know what I'm saying, to be called out? In our social circles, accountability is a very bad word. Church, there will be assessment. There will be assessment. And you get rewards. You get rewards for faithfulness. And so here's the thing. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Faithfulness. When you are faithful, come on. In your marriage, there is a reward for you. You may not see it initially, but when you sow in faithfulness in your marriage, guess what you get to reap? Intimacy. When you sow faithfulness into your marriage, you reap intimacy. Let's, let's look at some other thing. Just talking a little bit when you are faithful in your finances see there's something that begins to happen in your life and you begin to be faithful in your finances then what happens is you now have something to invest and now you're promoting the kingdom of God now you're promoting you're giving you know what there were times when I went to college that I did not have the finances to finish and someone in a church came up and said I've been praying for you and here's the deal I made it because someone had more than they when you're faithful with your time. Come on. You're not going to get more time. You're just going to have to learn how to manage it. 
You're not getting more time. I know you, we all want to pray for God to make the sun stand still again. But when you're faithful with your time, here's what happens. Opportunity. Opportunity happens when you're faithful with your time. See, we're not talking about something that just happens in heaven. We're talking about right now. Are you looking for more opportunity? Are you looking to see what, does that make sense? Are you looking to see what God wants to do with you in this season? When you're faithful with your tongue, come on. <laughs> I know there's nobody here. Y'all got this on lockdown. You're really, really good at this part. When you're faithful with your tongue. You get influence. You get influence. Influence in your kid's life. Here's the thing. Just because they love you at seven doesn't mean they want to be around you at 17. Come on, somebody. Oh, me or oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. I am learning now that I cannot say everything I think. To my kids because I can see them and I'm like no 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 I've got to change how I communicate I've got to change how I talk because guess what I will always see the inadequacies I will always see the immaturity but I've got to be the promoter and so here's the deal do I want influence or do I not come on is this good I'm messing this up Guess what happens when you're faithful in your thoughts? Guess what happens when you're faithful and you're committed and I'm going to manage my thoughts and when that comes and creeps up and nobody likes me at the church and nobody wants me around or uh, nobody's using me or uh, I can't find my gifting or God hasn't, when you, when you begin to be faithful when your thoughts you get freedom. Come on, come on. You get freedom. When you're faithful with your service. When you're faithful with your service. And you begin to say, you know what? I don't, I'm never going to consider how I feel. I'm just going to be faithful with my service. Then here's what happens. You make an impact. Does this make sense? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm almost done. I know you're like, well, how many does he have? I'm sorry, I got excited. When you're faithful and you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and, and, and convict you and encourage you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in your life, that's not it. You become effective. You become effective. See, see now the Spirit of God, when, when, when the disciples were around Jesus, they were effective. When Jesus left, they were all running. Jesus said, don't start your ministry until the Holy Spirit comes because it will make you. Does that make sense? All right, last one. And then we got to go. When you're faithful in your heart, and so that's where all this is going. How's your heart? What are you burying? What are you dealing with? 
when you're faithful to have a right heart, a pure heart in front of Him, then here's what will happen. You'll begin to live life. See, out of the abundance of your, your mouth. See, the heart connects to the mouth and the mouth sets an agenda. This right here, your life, are you life-giving? People come all the time and they're like, man, I love this church. Everybody's so life-giving. When you're faithful with your heart, you'll produce life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.